So Money Episode 213, Millionaires Next Door, Jeremy Jacobson and Lin Zen. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Thanks for joining me. Doing something special this week. If you've been listening since Monday, you know it is Millionaires Next Door Week. Dedicating the week to people across the country, in some cases across the globe, who are millionaires. And you wouldn't really know it. They're frugal. They save their money wisely. They don't buy material things necessarily. They have sacred financial philosophies, and we're going to learn all about it this week and so inspired to introduce today's couple. We have a couple on So Money today, Jeremy Jacobson and Winnie Zen. They run the personal finance blog, gocurrycracker.com. They are two normal people from lower income families chasing the American dream until they realize, you know what? The chase wasn't making them so happy. They sold their house, they sold their car and started saving 70%, well, more than 70% of their combined income. And in a short 10 years, while still in their 30s, they became financially independent and said bye-bye to the working world to then start a family and travel the world. Three years now into a hopefully 60-plus year journey, they're living their own nomadic dream with their newborn son, Julian. The two have now multiple millions of dollars. They keep that money pretty much invested in index funds, they tell me, and they're living off of about $4,000 a month, and they are soon about to embark on their worldwide journey. First stop, Mexico. Some takeaways from our conversation with Jeremy and Winnie, how they saved 70% of their income to retire in their 30s and pursue their love of travel and starting a family, how going overseas helped them save dramatically on medical costs, especially when it came time to having a baby, and how they pay $0, $0 in taxes. I took some notes during that part, let me tell you. And they do this legally. All of this information they capture on their blog, gocurrycracker.com. Interesting story about Go Curry Cracker and why it's called that. Lots uh, to learn from this couple, our millionaires next door. Here we go. Without further ado, Jeremy Jacobson and Winnie Sen. Jeremy and Winnie from gocurrycracker.com. Welcome to So Money, our millionaires next door. How are you doing? Hey, doing well. Hey, Hey, guys. So as listeners know, I had been doing a big search for Millionaires Next Door, and Jeremy and Winnie kindly emailed me and said, guess what? We we retired in our 30s, and uh, this is now just three years into retirement for you guys. Um, We're going to talk about all of the good steps that you took to get to this point. But first, congratulations. You've crossed the millionaire finish line. Um, Where do you go from here? Well, that is a good question. So we we um, largely, you know, focused on retiring early because we wanted to do two things, and one of them was travel. Right? Like, so we're on this sixty-year-long journey to explore the world, uh, and the the other 
uh, sort of main goal was to start a family. And we, uh, or Winnie, just gave birth to our little baby boy just three months ago. Oh, wow. So Congratulations. How are you feeling? You. Sleep Hi. deprived? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so from here, you know, when he is, we're, we're in Taipei, Taiwan right now. And when he is um, six months old, so this October, we're going to uh, get on a plane and start traveling again. Fantastic. Well, how does it feel being new parents and millionaires at the same time? Kind of a nice financial security to enter into parenthood. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, the, the one, I mean, I, I, actually, I have no idea how people do this while balancing the job as well. It's so hard. I don't, I don't think I can handle baby and work at the same time. It's a lot. Yeah, I will say. Personally speaking, it's, um, it's, it can be very draining. So that's nice. You guys have the opportunity now to not have to go into work at 9 o'clock. There's no such thing as a paternity or maternity leave for you. You guys are on extended leave. <laughs> but sometimes I wish I, I can be at work. So Yeah, of course. There are days like that where you want structure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're going on. Was your where's your first trip taking you in in a few months? Um, so we're, we're going to go to Mexico. Um, like I'm actually let's see, speaking at a, a conference in uh, an, an early retirement conference in Ecuador with uh, Mr. Money Mustache and Paula Pant, who you recently interviewed, and so on in, in October. And so we're going to go to Mexico and, and set up a base there. So a bunch of our family. Friends are going to come down and visit while I hop down to Ecuador, and then um, after that, you know, we'll spend we the don't win know winter in Mexico, and then probably to Europe. Because we change our plan all the time. We just keep asking, "Where do you want to go?" And then there are so many places in the world we want to we want to go in. So we never made our mind. What does yeah. your family think of this? This must be something that people who you know your friends and family they listen to you and they're like their eyes pop out of their heads, right? Because they're just like, why can't, why, how is it that they're doing this and we're not? How do you, um, how, how has the reaction been from your immediate family and friends? They, the, the first, like, uh, at first they ask, hey, do you win a jackpot? Yeah, did you win the jackpot? <laughs> yeah, the jackpot. Like, what, like, where did the money come from? We even met an old, uh, old lady in Mexico. And she asked us, like, so when will your parents stop sending you money? <laughs> right, right. Because there's no possible way that you could retire in your 30s. Let's talk about where this money comes from. Um, because it, it is not the, the millionaire jackpot. Your parents aren't sending you handouts. You, the two of you, committed to this goal. You saved aggressively. Um, so take us to the beginning. How long ago did you begin mapping this out and what were what was the first step that you took that was really pivotal in helping you achieve this this millionaire threshold and by the way what is your net worth i'm going to ask that just because i'm really nosy um we've never shared it publicly um <laughs> <laughs> but uh it, it's it's well we can share a budget it's multi-millions 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 okay so that's good enough for me. Multi-millions is good enough for me. Take us back to the beginning. How much were you making in the beginning and how much were you saving and how were you making it possible? Let's see. So it started, um, let's see, we retired roughly three years ago and it started almost exactly 10 years before that. And 
at that time, we kind of had this, you know, epiphany that uh, the path we were on wasn't wasn't going to be like a, a long term path to happiness. And so changes started and uh, they kind of went quick. It was sell the house, sell the car, um, start biking, you know, as, as kind of the main form of transportation, um, you know, move into a small apartment in the neighborhood where you could walk everywhere to grocery stores, parks, libraries. And by focusing kind of on spend as little as possible on rent, on transportation, and then food, where people spend you know the majority of their total funds, we were able to start saving over 70%. And then... Or seventy percent of our after-tax income, and then and how much uh, were you making, and what were you doing? What was your job? See, I I worked at Microsoft at the time, and at at that point in time, I was probably making hundred k a year. So you were saving seventy. Well, after taxes, probably you're making like seventy. Yeah. And so you were saving seventy percent of that, which is close to fifty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. And that's just you. Yeah. Um, yep. Winnie, how about you? What were you doing and how much were you saving? So I, I work in Taiwan as a sales in the high tech job. And I made, how much was I making? No. Like 35, 35K a year. Yeah. But uh, I, could, I could save most of it because mm-hmm. I, I was living with Jeremy. <laughs> well, <it's> a- <laughs> so. Yeah. So I, I, so he, I got a, he got an expat job in Taiwan. And was that helpful in terms of the lifestyle there or perhaps just, you know, how far the dollar went? Um, were you getting paid in dollars or in Taipei dollars? How is, how was that arrangement also helpful? Yes. Um, so at that point, maybe we should all just move to Taipei. Tai- <laughs> <laughs> to <Yeah>. Taiwan, <laughs> and then we'll faster become millionaires. I don't know. Those two years we saved. Uh, we, we, we saved a lot, lot those two years. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, the cost of living here in, is probably about a third of what it is in the U.S. Um, and, but salaries are also roughly a third lower. But I was still getting paid my U.S. salary. Um, and I also had my rent paid by work at, at that time. So that was a huge sort of accelerator. And they, uh, we were probably we were saving way more than seventy percent at that point, like, mm-hmm. I, because I I was also traveling for work at the time. Like I'd go to China, I'd go to Korea, and while I'm on you know a business trip, I didn't pay anything. And so I remember one one month, like total expenses were roughly like five hundred dollars of what I actually paid out of pocket. Wow. So your lifestyle was a conscious decision. We're going to get rid of the house. We're going to get rid of the cars. Not everybody can do this or can they, and they just are not making the effort or it's just too hard of a lifestyle transition. I mean, why was it easier, easy for you to, what, what was the thinking? Uh, because we have a, a goal. Like one day Jeremy just came home and said, Winnie, do you want do you want to leave? Uh, do you want to go travel around the world forever? You know, and then we, did, we started. We started to plan on this. So there is a specific goal that we want to achieve. So I think it's easier when you have we, something. We we didn't have some sort of vague yeah. let's retire forty years from now sort of goal. We had a how do we get there as soon as possible sort of driving yeah, we idea have a time frame, us. yeah. And were you, I mean, this is very similar to the Mr. Money Mustache 
and Mrs. Money Mustache take on uh, spending and money, were you finding a community that supported your ideals, your financial ideals? Were, were you learning or extracting tips and ideas from other sources along the way? Mostly from the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so like a lot of, um, I, mean, I think there's a lot of similarities between us and sort of the Mr. Money Mustache story. Um, but you know, at that time, there weren't a lot of sort of personal finance blogs. So some of it came from books. You know, um, we read Your Money or Your Life. And it it's defined, a great book. Yeah, it's yeah. a be- beautiful book. And just the idea of, you know, life energy. Like how many hours in my life am I putting into buying this item or this experience? And so you mm-hmm. can so you could prioritize and decide if it's really worth it. You know, and, and we kind of internalize that and sort of tracking our money. But, you know, there was also... Um, a community, like an online forum for people focused on early retirement, although I think early-retirement.org. And a, a lot of people there were, you know, early retirement meant 55. And so, you know, we, we could take pieces of what, you know, they recommended as far as investment advice and so on, but then we had to piece other parts of it together ourselves. What was the culture like at Microsoft uh, when you left and you're like, guys, I'm taking an early retirement. Were your coworkers happy for you, confused, um, kind of pessimistic? What was the uh, what was that like leaving your job? at Because I can imagine, I mean, people working at Microsoft, they're thinking like, I'm going to work here for the rest of my life. It's one of those types of big corporations that takes care of their employees in that, you know, in terms of salary and benefits. Uh, so, what was the re- uh, the reaction for you, Jeremy? Worker has like big houses and like three, two cars right. and a truck. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. when we are living in a really small apartment, one bedroom apartment in Chinatown, like one of his co- coworkers, uh, like give us a ride home, and he saw where we live, and he looked at Jeremy like, "Are you serious?" <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. They think we are a little uh, interesting. Yeah, there. You know, in the days that I would I would rode to work uh, on my bicycle in the rain, you know, I I, I got some uh, some hazing from that. But you know, one, once I actually sent out my email saying, you know, hey, I'm I'm out of here. I had uh, probably like three weeks of unlimited free coffee and beer. <laughs> you know, just like all these requests from people of you know, hey, can we talk? You know, what's mm-hmm. going on? How did you do this? And that that's actually kind of where the blog came out of because there was this kind of this repetition in the questions of why, how. Mm -hmm. So we learned the, the why it was because you wanted to retire early to start traveling, spend 60 years exploring the world, which is just, uh, I mean, God just sounds amazing. And I'm going to go home tonight and talk to my husband about this, uh, as well. Um, you, we talked about how much you were earning, how much you were saving, pretty much all of it because you were had your rent covered and um, <clears throat> you got rid of the house, you got rid of the car. So we, I want to address something else that helped along the way, which was tax minimization. You mentioned this to me before we got on the call that you have over 90000 in taxable income. You pay zero tax legally and respectfully. You publish your tax returns on your blog to explain how you did it. 
Um, I also want to talk about how you're saving on medical costs. And But before we get to that, let's talk about Go Curry Cracker for a moment, because I think that's a great, I love that you're publishing this journey. And so other people can go online and, and check it out and get inspired. How did you come up with the name Go Curry Cracker? It's kind of unique. So for our honeymoon, Jeremy dragged me <laughs> to this 100-mile hike around Mount Rainier. And it was nice and sunny and beautiful the first five days. And then it started raining because it's Seattle. And then I feel like tired and exhausted and sad, but there's no way home because you have to finish it. So Jeremy just kept showing me this bag of curry cracker we made. And then he tried to encourage me by saying, go, 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 go curry cracker. So, <laughs> um, are, are those like the wasabi crackers that I'm addicted to? They're like, they're made of rice. It's similar. And they're flavored. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I made it at home. Oh. Like, yeah. So I made those dehydrated food to bring down the, the hike. Mm-hmm. How did the two of you meet? Just curious. Um, we were, let's see. So I, should I tell them the truth? Okay. Yes. <laughs> Winnie, always the truth on this show. He ordered me on frugalwife.com. From where? Frugalwife.com. Frugalwife.com. I'm going to write that down. No, we met in a conference in China. Oh. Yeah, one of of my coworkers um, was working with, like, her company on a project. And then while while I was speaking at a conference in Beijing that, that, that Winnie was attending and um, we were sort of introduced through our mutual coworkers. Gotcha. And then I, and then he followed me back home. Yeah, he followed I, me back to Taiwan. <laughs> so not one more question about your relationship, because I think it's very, it's very, what's the word, I guess, not difficult, but it's uh, sometimes a challenge to find a partner that, that is uh kind of shares your financial philosophies and especially when they're of an extreme nature, like, I mean, I can call your financial take on life a little extreme, right? I mean, just paring down your budget, selling a lot of the larger assets, you know, retiring in your thirties, not, this is not the norm, although we would hope that it would become a norm in in our culture. Cause I think a lot of people would love the idea of just having most of their life to explore and not have to go to a nine to five and be accountable to a boss. But uh, how did you both know you were each other's financial twins? Um, I think uh, part of the reason is we both, we kind of grew up in a, a similar, like similar situation, poor, like poorly. Yeah. Our, like, both, both of our families were, uh, no, lower middle, lower middle class, but well, I'm, we I'm, grew I'm up without anymore. money. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, but and you, a lot of people won't talk about or don't talk about money. Maybe it's like a, you know, it's, it's not uh, socially acceptable to polite, talk about money. Polite. Yes. So, but um, like I, I've been, you know, I'm I'm fascinated by investing and so on, and so I I talk about it with everybody and. Um, being open about it. Like we just started sharing stories and mm-hmm. we clicked and, you know, they, they and we share our stingy stories and we laugh about <laughs> it. <laughs> um, where do you keep the money? Uh, so all, pretty much all of the, all of the money is in, um, 
Vanguard index funds. They, it's, it's pretty much 90% of it's roughly invested in stocks and 10% in, in bonds and uh, it's all in Vanguard. And what has been the return for you since you started doing that? Has it been really, has it, have you been able to uh, keep up with the market? Yeah, it's been average. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, you know, the, we, we do next to no management of it whatsoever. You know, it's just passive investing with really low fees, um, tax minimization. And so we, we track the market fairly closely. And how much do you keep on cash? What's your monthly cash allowance, I, I suppose, to keep you traveling comfortably? And now that you have a child, I imagine you've got a, a, maybe a, a healthier cushion every month for, for those unre- uh, unexpected costs. Maybe I'm not, uh, not as expensive as people think. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, we're breastfeeding. At this stage, right, all they're having is really breast milk and or formula so or um, and a couple rattles. Yeah. <laughs> so mo- mostly he just needs attention right now. But, mm-hmm. um, but we, we roughly spend about $4,000 a month. and We, we publish our spending every month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cracker. Yeah. And... And that, um, you know, for the last three years, 100% of our spending has basically been covered by, you know, dividends, interest, in- income of some sort. So we keep roughly about three months of spending in cash. And then most of our dividends happen quarterly. And so then we get a fresh cash infusion every three months. And that kind of tops it up again. And when we, when we started sort of the baby adventure, um, you know, we needed some assistance. So we, you know, went through the IVF process and so on. And when we started that, I, you know, put a bunch, you know, put another like 50 K worth of cash into the, into the bank account just to carry us through like that year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, and then the, the medical expenses for that ended up being way under that. So I, I put it back in the market uh, after he was born. Yeah. So I teased learning more about your medical expenses, how you're paying for that as, a, as you know, people, two people who are not working for, uh, companies that are paying benefits. So, how do you two, uh, how do you manage the medical costs? And I read that you also you saved a ton of money on IVF by doing something that not many people think of doing. So, share with us a little bit about how you sh- how you save on medical. Well, the the main you know, the main thing is just we exercise and we eat well. Uh, they, they <laughs> try preventative um, and just try not to get sick in general. But um, when we've been to the to the dentist in like four different countries and you know like pretty much everywhere outside the u.s um prices are transparent like you can ask a doctor or a dentist ahead of time like exactly how much will this cost if i just pay you cash right now and they'll tell you there's not this you know six to nine month delayed billing of kind of through insurance company thing in the u.s and so um it's way cheaper and transparent and so dentist in four different countries it's always been less than like 20 30 dollars um i went to a doctor in mexico because i had some bronchitis and i needed uh antibiotics it was like three dollars to see the doctor and ten dollars to for the antibiotics um and then in while we're in taiwan um winnie and julian are covered by the national taiwan yeah there's a single payer system here um, and I'm I'm self insured. I just pay cash. But like, even self insured is really affordable. Yeah. So they, the, they, the trick is just to don't live in the United States. 
<laughs> yeah. Don't live in the United States. You can be a millionaire by 30. That, that is, that's probably true. Although, okay, well, that's a wrap, guys. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, the income there is way higher. So the best way is to make like U.S. money and live someplace else. You're five years, you work there, and then you retire traveling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but the, um, just, you know, we were only on the expat gig in Taiwan for like a year and a half. You know, the, the other nine years of our saving was was in the U.S. Um, so it's doable. Yeah. Yeah. In, yeah. And um, you went abroad for IVF. Is that uh, was that easy to do? Was that easy to research and, and find good doctors for that abroad? Uh, I was born here, so it's easy for me. <laughs> so you got that in Taiwan. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. And it's like one third of the wow. price. And our, our original plan was actually like we were going to come here for IVF just because the price was way lower. Um, like we had quotes when, from because we were living in Seattle for the last five years or so. But we um, we had quotes in Seattle and it was way more expensive. And so we thought we'd come here, we'd go travel in the middle and then we we'd have the birth in Europe. And um, but then we had some kind of miscarriage scares early on and some emergency room trips. And so we decided just to, to stay put mm-hmm. for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, like even, you know, like a trip to emergency room here, was like $30. Are you kidding me? Can I just, I'll share a story about that. Um, when I was delivering my son, I, I went to the hospital after midnight because that just happened to be when he wanted to come out. So we went to the hospital, it was like one in the morning and the, tr- the doors to the hospital were shut. You had to go around to the emergency area. So I just turned the corner and went in through the emergency doors, emergency room doors and went in the elevator and went up to the maternity ward. When I got the bill, which insurance covered, it was itemized. I saw that they had charged the insurance company $1,200 or maybe it was $1,600 as an emergency room entry. Wow. Uh huh. So that smells like fraud to me because that is just, that was just. Uh, logistics, you know, like the hospital was not open at midnight through that particular door. So I had to turn the corner and for that, they're going to charge insurance, you know, over a thousand dollars. So, um, yeah, good luck finding anything in this country that's medical related. That is $30 or less. So, you know, we, we went to the, uh, uh, emergency room entrance also for delivery at like 11, 11 PM at night. And And there's a, can you sit here for an hour so we we, we can, you can save one day of cost? Yeah. yeah. We'll oh, and so they actually in. tell you how to save money. That's nice. Yeah. We'll, we'll check you in at twelve oh one, and it'll be two hundred dollars less. <laughs> wow! Oh my goodness. So now uh, taxes. You say that you have over ninety thousand in taxable income. I, I assume that's from from dividends and other income that you're pulling from your uh, from your investments. Yep. And so yep. you pay zero tax on that. How do you yeah. do it? How can you teach me? Sure. So, so that's basically all investment income, um, and it, it it's in three parts. There's mainly, um, you know, if you have qualified dividends and long term capital gains, and you're in the fifteen percent tax bracket in the United States, um, all all the dividend and long term capital gain income is taxed at zero percent. Um, but the, the 15% threshold in the U S is like $90,000 for a married couple. Mm. So 
we, we don't come anywhere near $90,000 in, in dividends though. So what we do is we kind of look at, you know, every year, um, do we have, have some of our index funds increased in value? You know, and if so, let's sell some of them, generate a long-term gain, and then use the proceeds to, you know, kind of reallocate our portfolio the way it needs to be. And now we've, we pay 0% on our gain and we've just increased our basis so that now in the future, when our gains will be smaller. Um, then the, the third piece, if you just look at sort of how much tax-free income you could earn in the U.S. from us from standard deduction and qualified dividends is roughly 20 K for a married couple. And so we also generate 20 K of, of income by moving money out of, um, sort of our 401k IRA funds into a Roth IRA. It generates a taxable event, but it's wiped out by the standard deduction. And so it's 0% there. And then now those funds can continue to grow tax free forever because they're in a Roth. And so, when you look at our 1040, it's on the blog, you'll see last year's income was roughly like $95,000 and the bill at the end for income tax was, was zero. Wow. Do you have anyone helping you with this? Did someone teach you this strategy or are you just, you're just a smarty pants and you researched it and figured it out? Um, After you retire, you have a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm serious. I'm going to go home tonight and my husband doesn't know I'm going to do this, but I'm going to be sitting. I mean, we're going to have a good talk about we make good money, he and I. And I think that we should start to really think about maybe I mean, living in New York is such a hustle. Every penny you make gets put back into the economy here some way or another. Um, so we just always joke. But we're also very, you know, we're kind of serious about it. We're like, imagine if we live somewhere in like rural Pennsylvania where he grew up, we could live like Kings, um, based on, you know, how much we make. We don't have to go across the, you know, the ocean. We could probably find a nice, uh, place in America that is a lot less, anywhere is less expensive than New York. So, uh, you've really inspired me and uh, lots of our listeners. I haven't even gotten to my so many questions, but I think that this has been even more education than if I'd asked you, you know, what's your win, your failure. But I would like to ask you before we wrap a couple of the so many questions. And the first is if we could capture your entire philosophy in one or two sentences, you know, your financial philosophy as millionaires next door, what is it? Probably, let's see, twice as much money won't make us twice as happy. Mm -hmm. like, twice as much money won't make you twice as much happy. Yeah, um, the quest for more, right? whether it be more stuff or more assets, more investments. Uh, um, you know, like we, we, have, we, have we have everything. Yeah. You know, we have enough. We have everything we need and want. And you know, we, we kind of use that for deciding things like, you know, when he had a book offer, um, but you didn't really like the editor's kind of direction. And I was like, well, don't write that book, you know, just do it when it, like, yeah, it would have been good money, but you know, only do, we only do things that really are going to be kind of rewarding in their own right. And then the money's secondary. And then what is your number one habit? You probably have a lot that you are, con you know, concurrently doing, constantly doing to make sure that you're, 
uh, millionaire next door status is protected. But what would you say is your number one money habit that you like to share with others? Oh, we, I think the, it's a really simple one. You just write down all your spending and analysis it. Like see where you met, where you spend your money and like try to cost down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because I'm sure everyone, if we just do this one thing, yeah, go and just track your dollars. You will absolutely, I guarantee you'll find something that you either didn't know you were spending your money on or you feel as though is not necessary and you'd rather have the money saved than putting it towards whatever it's going towards. And it's good to do this every few months at least because as life goes on, we incur new expenses that we don't even maybe realize. Uh, Prices for things that we were paying for last year might go up, like insurance rates, always a good time to check those things at the least and see if you can negotiate them lower. So Jeremy and Winnie, thank you so much. My millionaires next door, uh, traveling the world for the next 60 years, new parents, give that Julian a big hug for me and all of our listeners on So Money. We're really proud and thrilled for you guys and wish you continued success. Thanks so much for joining us. You've been great. Thank you. Thank you. That's a wrap. How about that story, guys? Jeremy Jacobson, Winnie Zen, fabulous millionaires next door. I'm serious. I'm going home tonight and talking to my husband about possibly uh, living on a lot less, maybe moving out of New York. (laughs) I mean, we're, we're in the middle of a renovation project right now to stay put in Brooklyn. But hey, you know what? Life's a choice. And maybe it's time to rethink our choices because uh, this story really got me going. So thank you, Jeremy and Winnie, for your inspiring tale. And uh, we've got more Millionaires Next Door coming this week. And I got so many people, in fact, writing in wanting to be a part of this this uh, this featured week that we might actually do another week of Millionaires Next Door later in the season. So stay tuned for all that good stuff. In the meantime, head over to SoMoneyPodcast.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter uh, where you can also ask me a question uh, as you know, Saturdays and Sundays are dedicated to listeners. I try to answer all of your questions on Saturday and Sunday. The way you reach me is you click on Ask Farnoosh at SoMoneyPodcast.com. There also you can find the transcript from all the interviews. You can leave comments. And uh, by the way, if you'd like to win a free 15-minute money session with me, I give away one a week. Hop on iTunes and leave a review for this show, and I will hopefully select you. All right, that's a wrap. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Hope it's so money. See you right back here tomorrow with a fresh new millionaire next door. Take care. Take care.